hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. It's the biggest threat facing the U.S. economy today. Or so a headline from CNN would have us believe. You're listening to Queer Money episode 209. Today, we're answering a question from a member of both the Credit Card Payoff Course and Queer Money Facebook group. The member's question is about a CNN article that discusses a new threat to the economy. What's that threat? It may surprise you. The threat is that Americans may be saving too much money. So, we're answering this question, should you be saving versus spending today? There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. How does your bank support the LGBT community? Not at all? For Pride in June? Or 365 days a year? Capital One proudly supports the LGBT community throughout the year. Maybe it's time to support a bank that supports us. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash cafe for more info. The foundation for living fabulously, not fabulously broke is a good credit score. A good credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. A bad credit score can cost you tens of thousands of dollars and cause you to miss out on other great opportunities. Sign up for the free Improve or Build Your Credit Score powered by Experian Boost and watch your credit score improve by 5 to 50 points in 15 minutes. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash boost. Now, on with the show. So a member of the credit card payoff course and the Queer Money Facebook group sent us an article the other day from CNN. It was actually published on May 12th. And the title of the article is New Threat to the Economy. Americans are saving like it's 1980. <gasps> oh, oh no. my gosh, no <laughs> 80s stuff except for music, please. And so, you know, it's very, it's very catchy, clickbaity headline for sure. And so David and I took a, a look at it and uh, we found it quite interesting. It's, it's, it's a interesting trends that are happening right now. And I guess what the concern is, is that Americans seem to be cutting their spending because of COVID-19, saving cash and shrinking debt. Now, from our perspective, under normal circumstances, all that is a good thing. <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting because from an early age, I think we are trained or encouraged or there is this idea out there that you have to save money. Saving is good. But then along comes this headline that says basically saving is bad. So you have to ask yourself, what gives? Is it good or is it bad? What's with the dichotomy here? And you know, a lot of this article is solely predicated on the fact that two thirds of the economy is based on consumer spending. And so that kind of evolves this question to something a little bit bigger is, you know, have we built a weak economy or is it standing on sand instead of rock? So David crunched some numbers uh, that we think will provide some glaring insight as to what the risk may be or, you know, depending on what side of the coin you're on, what the opportunity may be. Well, and these numbers are specifically around one point in the article. This idea that revolving debt, which is for the most part, is your credit card debt or your lines of credit. But most of, the, most of the time, it's this credit card debt. That credit card debt had dropped by one of the largest amounts that it has ever dropped by, an annualized rate of 31%. What does that mean? Well, basically, Americans have almost $1.1 trillion in credit card debt. Yeah, that's trillion 
with a T, $1.1 trillion in credit card debt that we maintain on the balances of our credit cards every month. That's how, and this number is from back in 2017, that's why Americans paid $104 billion in credit card fees and interest in that year because we have this massive amount of money on our credit cards. So what does it mean that that would drop by an annualized rate of 31%? Well, that would mean that basically Americans would pay off over $300 billion of their credit card balances. And most people say, well, yeah, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it be a good thing if our credit card balances dropped by that much. And in this particular instance, it was just the month of from March to April that the balances dropped by this amount. I did a quick calculation. If the average individual is paying 17.1% interest on their credit cards, and that's the average interest rate of credit cards across the United States, if we cut this amount out of our spending, just for the month of March, Americans would have paid $399 million less in credit card interest. If that was annualized, we would save four, almost $4.8 billion. That sounds like a lot of money, right? Well, yes and no. And the reason I say that yes and no is because if an employer has to spend roughly $60,000 to employ someone and pay them somewhere between forty-five dollars and $50,000. There's all those extra things that employers have to pay for to, to hire an employee. If they were basically paying for an employee $60,000, which would be a pretty good salary average in the United States, that would only add 80,000 jobs to the economy. So, at first glance, this looks like a good thing that we're paying down these balances, right? But then when we're in this situation where we're seeing millions of people losing jobs, that doesn't seem like it would have that much of an impact on the economy. But for some people, that would have a huge impact on how much money they actually have to come up with every month to pay their bills. Exactly. So there's this fear that Americans aren't spending the way that uh, we've been conditioned to or we've conditioned ourselves to spend. And all of a sudden, that's having a big jolt on the economy. And that's affecting a lot of people. And most adversely right now, we're seeing um, small businesses. And I think one of the other striking differences between now and the fearful 1980s is that the interest rates on saving was considerably higher than it is today. Today, it's nearly non-existent. You know, stagnant to non-existent. Whereas in the '80s, uh, you could open up a savings account, even a checking account, and you you could get a decent interest rate on the cash that was sitting in that account. Today, you can barely get a decent interest rate on a money market. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think back then in the '80s, you were seeing sometimes some banks paying anywhere from seven, eight, nine percent on the interest on on your savings account. Today. I think there are some out there that may be somewhere between 1% and 2%. So it's not anywhere near as much as what you were getting back in the 80s. 
Right. So there's, there's this fear that we're, you know, the underlying fear is that we could be heading to another great recession, which, you know, many of us just recently survived uh, about 10 some years ago, or we're heading into another great depression. And the numbers right now don't look good for the economy. So it's very realistic that we could be going into a depression. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen. But at this point, we don't know exactly yet. It takes a couple quarters to figure that out. And one of the other concerns that we, we noticed from the article that we read in CNN was that there's this pool of Americans taking their shopping and their investing, pulling out of small businesses and directing them more towards larger companies. So now even it surprises me today to hear some people who are taking all their grocery shopping to Costco and Walmart because they can do it faster and more efficiently and can get more stuff in one visit than they can maybe going to their local grocery store. So there's this sort of migration going to the bigger already more powerful companies to do business with, to also invest your money with, than it is to do the, with the smaller companies. Yeah, we, I think many people, they feel almost trapped, right? They, they need to provide for their family. They need to have necessities. And so they want to get those things at the lowest cost possible. And unfortunately, many times the lowest cost possible are large corporations that are able to buy in mass quantities and get a lower cost for that. And so they pass that some of that cost on to you. And so that I think that there's this kind of natural migration that we've gone to places like Walmart and Amazon and Costco. And this is kind of where our money is going. And what has happened is it has pulled money away from the smaller businesses that oftentimes used to support the local economies. And now that money is being funneled off to somewhere else. Yeah, so as, as per our usual, we threw this, uh, we shared this article in, in the Queer Money Facebook group and we asked for people's thoughts. Just, you know, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Or, or are you indifferent to it? And we had some, some interesting quotes. Jason shared, it's all reactionary. When COVID passes, and it will, people will go right back to spending like drunken sailors. <laughs> and um, that's, probably, uh, that's probably very true. We've seen it time and time again, despite whatever calamity the country faces, uh, we always typically go back into our spending patterns. Yeah. I think I think when when things are bad, there's this pent up desire or demand to, to want to go out and have a good time and spend our money. And as soon as things kind of start to feel good again, we start to do that, and it becomes a habit. And then we just stick with that habit. Exactly. Gwen said, I think you're right that it's a threat to the growth of the economy, but I'm hoping it'll lead to people examining whether a constantly growing economy is actually a positive goal for society. And that's kind of what I alluded to earlier. You know, maybe the question isn't so much how is this affecting now, but how is this affecting us in the long run? And is this really the most stable kind of economy that we can build? Um, And if it's not the most stable kind of economy that we can build, what should that economy look like and how can we get there? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The CNN article said uh, roughly two thirds of the economy is built on consumer spending. I saw an article today that's a little bit older, but that said that 71% of the economy is built on consumer spending, which really means that consumers, we're spending all of our money maintaining this level of the economy. It, It makes me think of Aesop's fable of the ant and the grasshopper, right? And the grasshopper who spent all of his time enjoying the summer and eating and playing music and having a good time and not putting anything away, 
And then you had the ant who was putting things away. And then at the end of the, in, in the winter, there was the grasshopper looking in the door of the ants who were having a big party uh, in the wintertime. And they were able to enjoy themselves because in the dark times, they actually had set something aside, which, you know, I think we all know that is the right thing to do, but it gets really difficult to do the right thing it's sometimes. It's really right? difficult. <laughs> Finally, Allison shared, I don't think saving is the problem. I think it's experiencing change too quickly. Additionally, the world has done such a good job at turning us into a consumer economy. Of course, it was a stroke when we had to stop consuming. <laughs> if we could all be more moderate in our spending and fight fear of missing out and lifestyle inflation, we all might have a bit more in our savings accounts for a rainy day. That's yeah. exactly what we were just talking about. Yep. And I, I, think she, I think she is right too, right? So there's a combination of things in that the, the economy is kind of, and we've been saying this for years, the economy is built on, on sand. It's a requirement. You know, the economy needs us as individuals, as consumers to continue to spend money and continue to spend money we don't have. So we rely on credit cards. Also, we have abysmal interest rates. There's no incentive to save money because you're actually losing money by keeping cash in a savings account in many cases because your interest rate that you're earning is not keeping up with the rate of inflation. And so there's just no incentive to save money. Then add to the fact that you've got these corporations who have all these glossy um, advertising and know how to use uh, Freudian technology to tap into our psychology to make us want to buy things we don't necessarily need or that could put us in a precarious financial position. Then you add that on top of the fact that all of a sudden, you know, kind of for many people, COVID came out of nowhere and it's we're told, okay, you got to stop going out. You can't even go out to go to your day job. Um, you got to stay inside. You can't work. And all of a sudden, it is like a stroke to the economy that everything is just stopped. Yep, exactly. Something blocked it up and all of a sudden... There's nothing flowing through, and that's what, you know, there's this immediate reaction. So, so what are our thoughts, Mr. Alton Schneider? The DeFree guys want to encourage you to exercise extra caution right now, as there have been an increased number of fraud, phishing, and other scams during the COVID-19 crisis. Hi, I'm Louise Chernin. I am with Washington State's LGBTQ and Allied Chamber of Commerce. We are about business development, looking at everything through the eye of equality, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and investing over $600,000 a year in LGBTQ students. Join us. Check out the gsba.org. We welcome everybody. Well, I think that one of the things that we have always encouraged is for individuals to, the sooner, the better, leave the leveraging and spending classes. And John and I kind of basically believe that there are four classes of individuals. There's the leveraging class, and that's the individuals who month over month cannot meet their uh, needs or wants without putting money on either credit cards or borrowing money in some manner. Whether they're doing it consciously or not, whether you're living paycheck to paycheck because of the amount of money you make or because you just can't stop spending, these individuals continue to spend more than they make. And we know what happens. Eventually, that is going to get to a point where you can no longer sustain it. So that's the leveraging class. Then there's the spending class. These are individuals who are constantly spending, but they're never spending really much more than what they make. They never can get ahead but they're not really falling behind that much either. And then there's the saving class. And the saving class are individuals who are spending almost as much as they make, but they're able to save a little bit of money. 
And they're not really doing a whole lot with that money other than maybe putting it in a savings account. So it doesn't, especially right now, it doesn't grow very fast. And then there's the investing class. And those are individuals, whether they're, and we know individuals like this who are making $40,000 a year and are able to save a significant amount of their money and individuals who are making a lot more money and still able to save a, a significant amount of money. And they then take that money and use that money to grow itself, whether it's investing in their own business or investing in the market or buying real estate or something that allows that money to continue to grow. And we believe that the sooner you get to that class of individuals, the better your financial security will be further on down the line. It's almost, in some cases, the stock market is built on more solid ground than the economy. Yeah. And that's why, you know, there was that, that, that famous picture of Jim Cramer talking about simultaneously the stock market was skyrocketing while the unemployment numbers had hit a record level. And there's this, this contrast, well, how can the stock market be doing so much better when, the, when so many people are out of work? Well, I think it's because the stock market is built on much more solid ground. And by and large, you will always see, I think you'll, in the long run, you'll see both return to normal or better, but the stock market will always exponentially beat the economy hand over fist pandemic after pandemic. Yeah. And I think that's the one things that you say over and over again is that there's always an incentive for individuals who are investing to make sure that the stock market continues to go up. It's in their yeah. benefit, right? So if other people are doing that, sometimes you want to get along, get in on, on that ride. Right. There are too many rich and important people who need the stock market to continue to climb despite what the economy does. So, and that could be, you know, that, that's a whole like a whole discussion of, is that how things should be? That's another debate. That's the way things are right now. And so for your own autonomy and security, the sooner you can become a part of that to any scale, the better. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that both David and I thought when we were reading this article, one of the fears that we had, and I'm sure that this is just around the corner, that suddenly our politicians are going to come onto on our televisions and radios and whatnot and start saying, start encouraging us to spend money. Start spending money because it's patriotic. It's good for America. It's good for the world. It takes care of people. And while there is a certain a bit of accuracy to that, um, what we want to encourage you to do is to only spend so much as you would normally spend and so much that it doesn't adversely affect your financial situation. Mm. Don't feel guilted or encouraged to overspend for the sake of the economy. Because as we say to LGBTQ people all the time, it makes no sense to donate money to help causes if it's only going to adversely affect yourself. We can't handle managing two problems is try to isolate the number of problems we have to manage. And if that means in this particular situation that you're not able to participate for your own financial security and autonomy, that's fine. Right. And so we, we basically have broken what we think kind of the scenarios are or the groups of people. Archetypes. Archetypes of people. Right. Thanks. That's a great word. In today's world, the basically three groups of people. And we have labeled these in these groups of people, the O-Nos, the status quos, and the gung-hos. <laughs> so when it comes to the O-nos, these are a lot of you out there who are suddenly finding yourself either unemployed or underemployed, or you're in an industry that you have a lot of fear of potentially being laid off. 
because of the way that the environment has changed. So you may have a job right now, but if the economy continues to get bad, are you likely to get laid off? So that's the oh no's. And so we have some suggestions that if you find yourself in this group of individuals, the oh no's, we want you to focus spending only on necessities. Don't assume more debt. And especially if you're unemployed and you are receiving unemployment, it may be that right now, because of the extra $600 a week, you could be earning or getting more money than what you were receiving or earning in the past. Then make sure you're using that extra income to reduce your financial stress, to reduce your financial fears rather than just spending it. So what we would encourage you then is that any of that remaining money that you're not spending on your necessities, that you're setting it aside for emergency savings. We want that to be your focus right now. It may be, and I will admit, I probably would be tempted to do this too. If all of a sudden I went from making a certain amount and every week I'm getting an extra four, five, six hundred dollars, I may be inclined to want to go spend that money to make myself feel good. Remember that self-care shouldn't detriment your future. It should take care of you now and in the future. So make sure that you're using that money to provide some sort of benefit for yourself now and in the future by reducing your financial stress. The status quo are those who are still employed. Things haven't necessarily changed them. It's almost like it hasn't, other than maybe what they're seeing in the news, um, the pandemic's not totally affecting them, at least financially. So our, our advice to you is to continue to balance your spending with your saving as you normally would, maybe being a little bit more cautious than, than you normally would. Consider only using smart debt and to pay off credit card debt. And by smart debt, you know, if you were already planning on buying a house or if you were already planning on, on buying a car, you're already sending kids to school, still continue to do that in so much that it's not going to hurt you in the long run. Pay off your credit card debt because simultaneously you want to take care of yourself, but you're also somewhat in an envious position that things haven't necessarily changed for you. And to the extent that you can help out the economy and continue the national cash flow, the better for the whole country as a whole. And then we have the gung-hos. Now, the gung-hos are those who are making more money during this time period. And that's Again, it is an enviable position, but it may be because of a number of different factors. Maybe you work in an industry where there's a high demand right now, and for that reason, you're getting paid more. Or maybe you're in an industry where you are now required to work overtime, so you're making more money. Or it may be that you own a business that is just now benefiting right now for whatever reason, you're benefiting, so you're making more money. So for those individuals, we want to remind you of this saying, to those who much is given, much is expected. Now, that's kind of a paraphrase, but that whole idea of this may mean that you can take on some responsibilities of helping individuals and the economy more so than others. So again, we would want you to consider smart debt only. If you were already planning on buying a home or you were going to purchase a vehicle or you have project to take on for, you know, maybe you're doing a remodel in your home, those kinds of things, as long as it's smart debt, go ahead and take those on, continue to pay down your credit card debt, continue to pad your emergency savings 
but also remember that you now have the opportunity to give back more where it can help most. So again, spending in the economy, that's one of those ways, but also remember, focus your spending on those smaller businesses, on businesses that are owned by queer people that you can help the community out. And of course, if you can, help by giving money to LGBT nonprofits. I think I might have forgotten to say to the status quo group to also continue to pad emergency savings. So pretty much any opportunity any group has to save in emergency savings, we recommend that. Yes, definitely right now. Career-wise, we thought this was kind of interesting. Our take is that it does seem to be sort of a migration, a changing of the economy. And so if you're in a volatile industry, we maybe suggest looking into, as a career move, into a more stable industry or one that looks like it has prospect for growth. Things are, are just changing on a grand scale right now. And it might mean that some of yesterday's and today's jobs aren't going to live for tomorrow. And so what you want to do is try to figure out maybe if that's the type of career you're finding yourself in, maybe it requires a career change for yourself so you have that long-term prosperity. Yeah. I, I think about individuals in hospitality and tourism those jobs may not come back as quickly as others come back. And so that may mean that you have that possibility of, of, of a longer term period before you're actually employed again or that you are actually back to working at the level you used to work at. So you may need to think about a career change or a job change to get into something else. One of the things I would encourage you to think about is you're serving people when you're in those industries. Are there other ways to serve people that's similar, that's in a less volatile industry, one that if this continues, and I certainly hope it does not, but if we see a second wave or a third wave of this, that those kinds of industries would continue to be shut down. So consider other opportunities. What is difficult is that those industries are ones that are heavily employed by individuals in the LGBT community. So that's part of the reason why our community is taking such a huge hit right now is because retail, hospitality, service, those are industries that a lot of LGBT folks tend to work in. And so that's part of the reason why we're taking such a huge hit. And then finally, when COVID-19 passes, as Jason says, it eventually will, return to normal spending and no more. Um, Don't feel guilted by any politician or any group or organization that you need to overspend and put yourself in a precarious position for the sake of everybody else. Certainly take care of yourself, take care of others to the extent that you can, but make sure you put your mask on first before you put somebody else's mask on. Thank you for listening to another episode of Queer Money. Here's your Queer Money takeaway from this episode. Don't let others influence you to make financial decisions not in your best interest. We make the Queer Money podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtfreeguys.com or post them in the Queer Money Facebook group and we may answer your question in an upcoming episode. Thank you and have a great week. The Debt-Free Guys want to encourage you to remember to use mobile and virtual banking services during this time. Also, remember those who may not have grown up using these kinds of services and lend a hand wherever possible. Remember, the foundation for living fabulously, not fabulously broke is a good credit score. A good credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. Bad credit score can cost you tens of thousands of dollars and cause you to miss out on other great opportunities. Sign up for the free Improve or Build Your Credit Score 
powered by Experium Boost and watch your credit score improve between 5 and 50 points in 15 minutes. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash boost. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking queer money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.